0: Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Wednesday, August 16th.
1: What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news and hot topic issues in the New York Tri-State area.
0: And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV.
1: I'm David Escobar.
0: And I'm Jaya Joyce.
1: And here are today's headlines.
0: Restaurant-goers can now permanently dine outdoors in New York City.
1: That's after Mayor Adams signed Intro 31C into law. The new measure pays the way for restaurants to have year-round outdoor dining areas on the sidewalk outside their storefront.
0: There will also be an eight-month period where restaurants can extend their outdoor dining areas into the roadway. And Adams says restaurants will be able to work with the city to get a special permit for both.
1: Outdoor dining saw a boom in popularity during the pandemic, and according to Mayor Adams, outdoor dining saved the jobs of nearly 100,000 restaurant workers in New York City.
0: Many Manhattan restaurants have already continued their outdoor dining programs, but Adams says he wants this new initiative to hit all five of the boroughs.
1: Dining Out New York City is set to become the largest outdoor dining program of its kind in the nation.
0: New York City is celebrating the 80-year anniversary since the USS Intrepid was commissioned into service.
1: A ceremony will be held today at Pier 86 at the Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum.
0: Former crew members will be honored, and about 200 are expected to attend to share their stories. Some were even part of the original crew in 1943.
1: But one of the museum's biggest attractions is still under maintenance. The British Airways Concord is an interactive fan-favorite experience that's been at the museum since 2003.
0: The supersonic jet was relocated just last week for restoration at the Brooklyn Navy Yard, but it's expected to be back at Pier 86 by spring 2024.
1: Yesterday, we reported that former President Donald Trump has been indicted for the fourth time since leaving office, this time by a local prosecutor in Georgia. To shed more light on this, we're joined by WFEV's Jay Doherty. Hey, Jay. Hey, David. So, Jay, what exactly are the terms
2: of this newest indictment? Well, the indictment claims that Donald Trump and 18 others, quote, refused to accept that Trump lost, and they knowingly and willfully joined a conspiracy to unlawfully change the outcome of the election in favor of Trump. The scheme allegedly involved multiple instances of racketeering in and out of Fulton County, Georgia, and that's where the investigation actually took place.
0: Can you explain what specific actions Trump and his allies are being accused of?
2: Absolutely. The investigation led by Fannie Willis revolves around Trump's alleged efforts to influence the 2020 election results in Georgia. The focus sprouts from a now famous phone call Trump had with Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. The former president urged him to, quote unquote, find enough votes to overturn the election results in the state after Trump had already lost to Joe Biden there. So that
1: sounds like a significant development, but I'm wondering what makes this
2: indictment stand out from the rest? That's a great question. This indictment is the most comprehensive one involving Trump so far. There's a total of 41 counts across 19 individuals, including the former president. Over half of those counts relate to forging false documents and making false statements. The charges range from election fraud and computer tampering to impersonating public officials and even perjury. This indictment is much bulkier, wide-ranging, and complex than previous ones. But what's really unique about this case is that it directly accuses Trump and every individual charged in the indictment of violating Georgia's RICO Act. RICO is short for racketeer-influenced and corrupt organizations. It's a law designed to address patterns of illegal activity carried out by groups aiming to control or protect some kind of enterprise. That could be a family, a gang, an institution, or even in this case, a presidential campaign.
0: So how has Trump responded to these recent developments?
2: Well, Trump has consistently labeled these investigations and indictments as a politically motivated witch hunt. He maintains that his actions, including that phone call, were geared towards uncovering voter fraud and safeguarding the integrity of the election rather than attempting to meddle with the election results.
1: And Jay, let's shift gears to former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who's one of the people included in this indictment. How has this affected him
2: financially? Well, David, Giuliani has openly expressed his financial woes. He's facing hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal bills and sanctions. Uh, The former New York City mayor has said that these legal matters have, quote, left him out of cash. He even responded to the sanctions and fees by listing his Manhattan apartment for six and a half million dollars. It's also interesting to note that Giuliani is being charged with the type of law he actually helped to innovate as a prosecutor in New York in the 80s. He allegedly violated Georgia's RICO Act, which is based on the Federal-RICO law. Congress passed that law in in the 70s to help combat organized crime, and Giuliani famously used it to his advantage in New York to take down the five families, who were the mob groups that operated across the country.
0: Now let's zoom out for a wider view. Given the upcoming 2024 presidential election, political implications are inevitable. How could this case potentially impact Georgian politics?
2: Well, Georgia's status as a swing state in recent elections makes this case all the more significant. The case could intensify political divisions within Georgia and beyond. And the legal situation surrounding Trump could energize both his supporters and his opponents, potentially influencing the upcoming presidential elections.
1: We'll certainly be watching to see how this unfolds. Jay Doherty is our political reporter at WFUV News. Jay, thanks so much for joining us to provide these updates. Thanks for having me.
0: Jay-Z has undoubtedly influenced the New York City music scene, and now he's increasing library membership as well.
1: That's because the Brooklyn Public Library and Roc Nation have released limited edition Jay-Z library cards in honor of the 50th anniversary of hip-hop.
0: The library said that membership has increased by 14,000 since the release.
1: The special cards feature artwork from the Brooklyn natives' albums and are free for New York residents. They're also tied to the library's temporary Jay-Z exhibit called The Book of Hove.
0: Brooklyn Botanic Garden's new program series is exploring how trees play an important role to people in New York and around the globe, especially when it comes to climate change.
1: So I sat down with the garden's director of interpretation and exhibitions, as well as the art exhibit's curator, to find out more. Trees shroud the over 50 acres that comprise Brooklyn Botanic Garden. But many of these mighty giants in the garden don't always get the recognition and protection they deserve. That idea is at the core of the garden's new art and exhibition program, Power of Trees, which showcases the trees at the center of ecosystems around the world. There will be six new outdoor sculptures that includes a metal tree displaying the roots of hip-hop in Brooklyn and a branch-woven shelter for people with sensory issues. They all show how the canopy of a single tree can provide a host of benefits for a community. Art exhibition curator Cecilia Andre says she tasked the artists to create something that's distinct, but also tied to the natural surroundings.
0: I wanted them to think in more diverse ways, and sure enough, the shapes are completely out there. You know that you're looking at something that is art.
1: And outside the symbology of the art, Kate Vermoild, the Garden's Director of Interpretation and Exhibitions, says the Power of Trees exhibit goes beyond their value to natural ecosystems.
2: Not only
0: are our trees a part of our lives and really, you know, helping us to survive, but, you know, as we face, you know, the climate crisis, they're really also at the center, you know, of a solution.
1: Besides providing a solution to the challenges of climate change, Fermoyle says the stories behind these trees even provide representation for New Yorkers
0: we have a section of the of the garden that has a um a conifer collection and the trees in this one small area are from west coast of the united states some are from lebanon some are from um you know peru and so we kind of imagine that uh, that little area of um of the exhibition to be sort of the you know, a little microcosm of Brooklyn that, you know, just like Brooklyn, where people are coming from all over the world to to root themselves here in in the borough. These trees come from all over the world and are rooted here in Brooklyn and thrive and uh, rely on each other, to for survival.
1: I'm David Escobar, WFUV News.
0: That was my co-host, David Escobar, exploring the Power of Trees exhibit, which will be on display at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden through October 22nd. Up next is our weekly music segment on the What's What podcast that delivers the latest music news.
1: We have WFUV's Rosie Lenz here to catch us up on all things music. Hey, Rosie.
3: Hi, guys. It's good to be back. We've had a lot going on in the music world this week. As you may know, last week marked the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, and there have been so many different events going on. What's been going on? As the home of hip-hop, the Bronx hosted shows this past weekend to celebrate. Last Friday, the Hip Hop 50 concert at Yankee Stadium, headlined by Run DMC, attracted tens of thousands of fans. And on Saturday, groups like Public Enemy and KRS-One were part of a block party event on Sedgwick Avenue.
1: How did that event go?
3: While on stage, Chuck D from Public Enemy took the opportunity to shout out hip hop pioneer Kid Creole, who is currently in prison. He shouted, freak Kid Creole, and even mentioned New York City Mayor Adams, saying that someone needs to talk to him about the situation. Next, Clarence Avant, the godfather of black music, passed away Sunday at the age of 92. He gained the nickname for his support of black artistry. Tell us more about what he did. Well, Avant got his start in the music industry at a very young age, quickly becoming a distinguished manager and starting his own record label called Sussex Records. He represented popular artists and the up-and-coming, including Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis.
1: It sounds like he's had quite an impact on the music industry. What a legacy.
3: He used his platform in the industry to speak up about civil rights and support Democratic presidential candidates. In 2016, he received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Ahmet Erdogan's Award in 2021, and was the subject of a Netflix documentary in 2019 titled The Black Godfather. Music fans, colleagues, friends, and family mourn his passing. And now, recent and upcoming music. Olivia Rodrigo released her new song, Bad Idea, Right? over the weekend. It's the second song to be released from her second album, Guts, coming September 8th. And Jean-Baptiste has a new album coming out, titled World Music Radio, releasing this Friday, August 18th. The first single is Calling Your Name. The album features artists such as Lil Wayne, New Jeans, Lana Del Rey, and more. Hozier's new album is also dropping this Friday. It's titled Unreal Unearth. It's available for pre-order now. The Unreal Unearth Tour has already been announced as well, and it kicks off on September 9th. He'll be at Madison Square Garden on September 30th.
0: There's definitely a lot going on. Thanks for keeping us updated. Thank you for having me.
1: And on this day in 1986, the music video for Run DMC and Aerosmith's song, Walk This Way, premiered on MTV.
0: The song and its MTV debut was a pivotal moment for hip hop music.
1: The collaboration between the two music groups allowed for hip hop to become mainstream.
0: In the music video, Aerosmith frontman Steven Tyler busted through a wall with his microphone. Then the two groups were face to face.
1: Its clear symbolism depicted that rock and roll and hip hop no longer needed to be separate.
0: Before we go, we wanted to give you an update on a story we reported on yesterday.
1: Over 100,000 lives have been lost from the wildfires burning through the island of Maui.
0: And yesterday, a couple hundred New Yorkers started their trek over to Hawaii to help with the disaster relief.
1: And for the rest of you at home, information on how to help the victims of the Maui wildfires can be found at WFUVnews.org. And that's our show for today.
0: But check back with us tomorrow around 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports.
1: And as always, you can find more from us at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.
0: I'm Jaya Joyce.
1: And I'm David Escobar. And that's What's What.